Echo. 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 Echo Boys. The fans are at it again. No. You've... I don't know if you've seen it. I'm here about this. You've seen this? Have you seen this? Uh, I have. I think I think anyone listening to this at this point probably is aware of what I'm speaking of, which is there is this new purported screenshot making the rounds of social media. I've seen it on a few news affiliates. I will keep that in mind for the future. Uh, you know who you are. You know d well who you are. Okay. Uh, is a screen grab that is claiming to be from our Anchor account, which is the account we use to host the podcast. And we, you know, upload our audio to there and yada yada. It has this analytics and statistics. This, this Photoshop smear campaign of the graph of our listenership uh purportedly from when we announced at the beginning of the year 2023 fans kick rocks showing uh demonstrably and hilariously this just a a very clear decline in listenership (laughs) week by week (laughs) smaller and smaller spikes for each wednesday since the wednesday that we first had fans kick rocks is I there should be a big asterisk next to that image is all I'm saying and is the fans are out again and honestly you know what I, if that were true I welcome it because the way out is through and you think that a little graph you're going to leak a little graph you think that's going to stop fans kicking rocks no this is this is just early days of this campaign uh, people are you know word of mouth is strong People are hearing about Fans Kick Rocks. They're loving it. They're very into it. Uh, a lot of people are talking about it. And I think if you, what you're seeing is some cowards fleeing to go kick rocks. <laughs> and other people seeing people kicking rocks. And they're on their way here to us because they are going to respect us. So fans actually backfired on you. That little graph. Listen, fans, there's an exit both ways. And complimentary rocks for you to kick. You can go in any direction. Hey, there's rocks coming in. There's rocks going out. You can kick and, both for all I care. And so, listen, fans, you'll be back because you don't know how good you've had it. You've had it you so, really don't. so good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How many so, years have we so done good. this? And not even once have we told them to kick rocks. And what have they done for us ever? And just wait until we do our Star Wars Celebration London coverage oh yes. just wait you oh, know i've yeah. been seeing i've been seeing this week some people being like booked my flights Ooh, wouldn't you like to know fans if we're going to star wars celebration or not <laughs> a spoiler for you all right um <laughs> we we i got i got a spoiler for we got we got a special gift don't spoil it don't spoil it uh, okay i'm not gonna spoil it we've got we've maybe we've got plants <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i think we i think we've got plants Oh, I, I, I'm curious if your idea lines up with mine. It never does. Very curious. Very it, curious. It, it definitely does. That's okay because Pavoy is a meritocracy. The best idea will win out. Or the idea that requires the least work. 
And then mine would require a modicum of work, which is to say, even recording even one extra episode of this freaking show. Oh, see, mine's mine's uh, um, incurs a financial cost. Oh, so absolutely not. Yeah, so that well, that's the thing. Well, though, actually, is, actually, is extra recording or a modicum of money. You know what? Do you, which one do you do first? I mean, right. you do neither of them, obviously. Because but... you put me in an awkward spot because we spent years paying money. Mm-hmm. to post this podcast to the internet yes. i have already paid for this podcast in the past we both have so the, the question becomes am i willing to pay to not do this podcast? <laughs> and i think um, the answer may surprise you well it's and and maybe that's where our our ideas diverge to because this isn't to end it this is for a lucky fan oh who absolutely not deserves exactly what they're going to get the fan that gets this deserves everything that they're well we have some (laughs) fans that are we we have some fans that are fine hi mom um but most other fans all 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 single digit ones they deserve this well look okay 2023 fans kick rocks okay Enough said. Nothing extra. No qualifiers. Our we analytics said, what said we this. Said. Our analytics said this that there would <clears> be some fans that wouldn't they wouldn't like this. But yeah. that was what last year was. And our fan their analytics the also before. said fans can kick rocks. So Yeah. When the, when when the analytics they were out the door. They also got the complimentary rocks. Oh yeah. And they've been kicking oh, ever yeah. since. Hey, take all the rocks you want to kick on the house. On the house. That's on us. That's on Poe Boys. Um, whew. Okay. Coming down. Coming down. Got me a little bubbly water here. Just oh. Easing into the evening. You can only have so many cups of tea in one evening. Uh, uh, okay. All right. All right. You still drink Death Wish? What's this about? No. No, I don't. I drink, I drink from a local place now because death was changed it up and they I didn't like the flavors much um star wars well let's star wars stuff to talk about oh you do okay but i thought you... I... Mm-hmm. go ahead you got stuff well i mean not i i feel like we should talk about um the man of the hour which is we're gonna be talking about him for you know a few months yes yeah, so let's leave with this for sure but over the weekend, um, Pedro Pascal, who currently has a hit show, The Last of Us, which is on HBO, um, based on the video game, it, he hosted SNL over the weekend. And um, I was in a different city. I was able to catch about first 20 minutes. Then I watched a couple of the um, sketches over YouTube over, over the last few days. Um, and Josh, you you watched it live, or you just watched it like a normal no, person? No, I watched YouTube? the I watched the monologue and maybe three or four other sketches. I we used to watch SNL on YouTube with some regularity, but just over time, as we like got more and more behind and have just stopped. But between Michael B. Jordan and Pedro, I was like, oh, I gotta. Man, there is. What's well, Woody Harrelson next here. week? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, okay. I like Woody Harrelson a lot. I do, I do. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I got yeah, so, Pedro, has he Michael B. Jordan. So you loved his you loved his monologue. So I texted you and said Pedro Pascal's monologue is a, a better 
trailer for Mandalorian season three. Uh, what I guess what I meant by that mostly is just that it, it got me more excited for the Mandalorian than the trailer did. But I'm high on Pedro right now. I mean, that guy can do no wrong. And I just really liked his monologue. I thought it was very sweet and very funny. And he's a very charismatic guy. And I liked the stories he told. And it made me excited to see him again. And in the context of The Mandalorian. I'm already seeing him once a week in Last of Us. But, yeah. He kind of reminded me of some spoilers, but, you know, Kick Rocks fans. Um, he talks about Mandalorian. Not really, but he talks about how... <laughs> uh, and it's a nice play on a joke of this person like flags him at some store and is like, Hey, my six year old loves your show. And then like shoves a, a camera in his face. And this kid's like, I have no idea who this is because the Mandalorian has his mask on uh, most of the time. But it kind of reminded me of, um, like in, in the sketch too, he does the, you know, I'll bring you in hot or I can bring you in cold. Um, <laughs> uh, the classic line from Mandalorian. Right. But it kind of reminded me of, um, just like a, like like a WWE wrestler who I, I'm sure is a regular person, but to most people they like think of these people as like those wrestling characters all the time. And uh, you know, no, I, I I thought it was a pretty good sketch. I there's a there's a good one. Did you watch the wing the wing pit one? No, I'll Oh, it's really funny. The okay. wing pit one is um <laughs> you'll 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 really like it. Um, yeah, it references um the god of death and chickens or something. I don't know. Yeah, it it it's difficult. To, it's without spoiling it. It's difficult Definitely to keep explain. trying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. Nice. Um, yeah. So that that was cool. Like I said, it it, it got me excited for for Mandalorian season three, which is it's coming, man. We're in February. It's it's coming. It's barreling down the track. Well, the crazy thing is, so I I watched The Last of Us, which I don't think you're watching, right? What are you talking about? Of course, are you crazy? Of course, okay. I'm watching it. So in that show, you know, he makes reference like I'm in my fifties. Yeah, fifty six. He's fifty six, and I think to myself like, in The Mandalorian, you get no indication that he's old. Well, yeah, I mean, Star Wars and age is just nonsense anyway. But yeah, <laughs> right. But like he he was a kid during the Clone Wars. Yeah, I mean, so that's an indication, I guess. So he would have been. I mean, he he'd be like Han, a little younger than Han Solo. Uh, who can say? I don't know when Han Solo was born. Yeah, I it did have me thinking about like you know age has not at no point has age become an issue. Or was kind of reference, and I I understand it's like a big like you know he's old she's young blah 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 blah. But yeah. I it, it did have me thinking about that from from Mandalorian because it's all all that matters in that show is you know what his past was how he got into um the this is the way stuff. But at no point does he ever be like you know does a I'm too old for this or. You know, blah blah blah. I'm, I'm. Oh I'm, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess in the first season there is the like, the young gunslinger, <laughs> like that terrible bounty hunter kid. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that's more like a inexperience versus experience as opposed to like, hey, old man, you don't really know what's going. Like, I'm the new next thing, which nobody at, at any point believes in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, what what uh, what Star Wars have you done this week? All right. Well, against my best judgment, I did um wander around a comic book store long enough that I ended up buying some Star Wars comics. Uh, I bought, well, I bought an issue of High Republic, The Blade, by Charles Soule, who wrote the first High Republic novel in the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha Row miniseries for the comics. And okay. it's, it's, uh, it's about Porter Engel, like his origins. Uh, it takes bu- place the hundred like of blood. Current. No, not no. buckets of blood. Okay. The blade of Bordada, <laughs> the guy who's a chef, right? Like the Jedi who's like a very he's like, old a, chef. he's like a vampire Jedi. He looks like a vampire Jedi. Dude, I don't even know what he is. He has like stubs for horns, but he had them even as a kid. So who knows? Um, okay. I got that, and I got the first issue of the Son of Staros comic by Justina Ireland who wrote another High Republic book. Uh, they all blend together for me now. Anyway, they were both great. I actually got the second issue of The Blade. It's only four issues. I'm going to get the trade paperback anyway. But I was like, no, I actually like really want to keep reading this freaking The Blade book. It's excellent. Um, and this other Star Wars book was also excellent. So there's some very cool uh, Star Wars happening out there right now. If you're looking for something beyond the confines of, you know, the animation and not confines, but, you know, if you're looking for something to read instead of something to watch or whatever, um, some stars is a character that was introduced in Jason Aaron's run on Star Wars when Marvel first reacquired the license in 2015 or whatever and started republishing. And she shows up out of nowhere and is like, oh, yeah, I'm Hustle's wife, by the way. And then things unfurl. This is the post A New Hope timeline. And then since then, she's been kind of a mainstay in the whole line. She was a supporting character in the Dr. Afra book for a bit, I think. Um, so this is her first solo outing. And it was a lot of fun. I think in the first issue, they go to Hosnian Prime and to Irino, which I'm like, oh. loving this <laughs> connectivity, baby. <laughs> loving this connectivity. I'm here for it. Um. And yeah, and then the blade is just a very cool like between the blade and then I don't want to talk too much about the most recent Harry Potter book because probably we'll do an episode on it. I say probably because you fans just are not kicking rocks like I am wanting you to. But the the blade book in particular, I guess, is is very much like the High Republic. I feel like in this phase, and granted, Pete, you know more about it than me because you read a little more about it. But uh, it's 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 like. And I mean this in a very good way, like almost a Star Trekification of the Jedi in Star Wars, where it's just like, instead of going out in the way of science or in the name of science and, and exploration, they're like, it's like philosophical exploration or whatever, where they travel to different worlds and then like argue about politics and morality with people. But I really like it. And I think it's doing a very good job of something that despite us getting the lip service of it, we've very rarely seen in Star Wars, which is like when we meet them in the beginning of the Phantom Menace, they're supposed to be like peacekeepers and keep you in the peacekeepers. But like so much of cinematic Star Wars gives you no precedent for them actually peacekeeping. And I think High Republic is really showing like, no, this is what they were doing. They were going around and solving disputes and relying on a lightsaber as a last resort. Uh, it's really interesting and really... I think uh, impactful on the mythos and the canvas as a whole 
because it does then really paint a picture of like, oh, this is what, you know, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are doing when they show up. And this is the standard by which we should be judging them as the prequels unfold and as they kind of decline into a police force and soldiers and, you know, something different than they were supposed to be. So I really like both of those books. Definitely would recommend. I think they're both miniseries. I can't remember if Song of Stars is a miniseries or not, but check them out. Because we haven't seen there in the High Republic for fans that don't read the High Republic, which is almost everybody. Um, <laughs> the current push is a hundred years back from the timeline, and then that They're fifty, time, isn't it? Is it fifty? Okay, hundred fifty. Hundred fifty. Okay, pretty sure. And then the original High Republic, when it first came out, was set like what two hundred years before Phantom Menace. It's a great question. Something My book like is that. downstairs. My book with a little timeline in it is downstairs. Yeah, so and Mrs. Like... Columbo's watching TV downstairs, so I can't something, go down there. So something like that. So it's like, it's. Uh, I don't even think they know all the all the years that they're jumping. Um, a million. <laughs> a million. Well, I I was thinking about it because we haven't really talked about the acolyte in a while. Um, no. Because that is supposed to be headset a hundred years before. Episode one. Is it hundred or fifty? Um, I just a uh, hundred. It is hundred. Yeah, okay, it's a hundred. Yeah, because um, I mean, we we really haven't done anything. I was just looking at this article that Daphne and Kane uh, right. was quoted in. Thanks for that. That she's in it. Yeah, and she's she her show, um, his dark materials just wrapped up, mm-hmm. um, on um HBO, um as I I don't know why we're pushing <laughs> we're pushing HBO tonight, but. She was saying, you know, it's about um, the Sith infiltrating into the Jedi, which is an interesting description of that. Um, But I, you know, I've started thinking about it of, you know, is this completely separate from High Republic? When are we going to get High Republic? Well, it's supposed to be the tail end of the High Republic because the High Republic goes up until I think the High Republic goes up until like 50 years before Phantom Menace, I think. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. But I'm, okay. I'm, dude. I the the blade and these current higher public books, and they're kind of like I said, them showing Jedi as peacekeepers and stuff has got me so psyched for the potential of the acolyte because I feel like if the acolyte succeeds, free of connections to the Skywalker saga, or at least like overt connections. I mean, I get it. It's like this eventually ends in Palpatine coming to power or whatever, but if we can get dropped off in like a totally different time period and people show up for it and are still talking about it and still like it. And then like, it'd be, that would be a huge boost. I think internally to the creativity of like star Wars on film, if they were able to finally just like, Oh, right. We don't have to have X wings and tie fighters and Tatooine and everything, you know, and we can do, cause I mean, that's, that's not what's showing up in these high Republic books. And increasingly, that is what I find myself enjoying about them is that it, you know, it's 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 free of those trappings, but it's still Star Wars and it's broadening that canvas. So my my hopes for the Acolyte are very high. Well, let's get into we're almost at the 20 mark. Let's get into the episode. Sorry, that's the end of the episode. Then 20 minutes. We're good. I actually want I really want to talk about this episode. Um, oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
what do you want to talk when, about? When Gunji is like looking through that box, and she's and Omega's like, "What are you looking for?" And I'm like, "Oh, I know what he's looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I I know what he's looking for. He's gonna get it." Oh um, gosh. Yeah, but so we're gonna get into episode six of Bad Batch season two. Um, this tribe? episode, the tribe, just tribe. tribe. Um, episode titled Tribe. We get introduced to a new um, underworld. Yeah, a new, man. A new, um, I guess, gang. I don't know. It's Vanguard Access, and um, they're on the space station, which which looks so well. The, no, the the station's called Vanguard Access, and um, I don't know what the droids are called. No, uh, um, that's the that's the name of the syndicate, Vanguard okay. Access. Okay, so new new syndicate, very cool. Um, just completely jo- yeah, droid run, which yeah, is re- it's all which droids, is, which is very very cool. Mm-hmm. And they are smuggling codes to fool empire trackers. I yeah, believe. gene codes. Yeah, gene codes. So they're they're doing that and. Omega and Echo are... And by the left. way, I'm watching these classic Star Wars movies everybody thinks are so great. Empire Strikes Back and all that crap. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, baby, where are the gene codes? I don't care about this. Give me some freaking gene codes. I mean, that was one of the best parts of um, can Solo. We get a, can we get a when, bounty puck in here? Is when he's um like, oh, gene codes. Oh, no, you go ahead. Now, <laughs> now you're in the military. I'm a pilot. No, you're you're on a mud planet now, boy. So, um, Tribe is you know they're on this they're on this um really cool looking space station. Right. Interactions. Codes. And um, it is cool to see the interaction the Bad Batch has with these droids because we see. True. Like, I didn't think about that. I was I was thinking about this of. When you watch Rebels and and Kanan's interaction with clones, it's so such mm-hmm. animosity. But with Bad Batch, you don't have that. Even even with um, you know, when they fight other droids, there's there's no like hatred. No. Um, but then I do wonder: is that because for the Bad Batch, their missions were less like the Battle of Geonosis and more like that mission we see Crosshairs go on? Where it's like they're not really overwhelmingly dealing with rank and file droids. They're the ones that are sent in to do like political assassinations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they aren't quite as like droids are beneath them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that, that that's a um, that's a lot. A, a, a that look, I don't know. That's what George told me. I don't know if I believe him or not. Well, he doesn't have you know he has the same. He's in the same year as we are, right? Like. Mm-hmm. He's talking. We're talking to Big Dave. He's talking to Big Dave, but at the end of the day, Big Dave and the team. Although this is met more a Jennifer Corbett's show at this point, doing a great job um, as the showrunner for this. Yeah, is going through this. So we, you know, Omega's been Omega. She's she's never seen stuff, right? She lived she lived on a water planet. Never got to not never even got to swim. So. With that being the case, she sees that these droids are just straight up torturing a Wookiee. And she steps in, obviously. And then Echo, without like a missing a beat, 
you know, comes in, helps. We get that interaction with Gunji and Echo. Like, I guess Echo doesn't realize he's a Je- he certainly doesn't realize he's a Jedi, but he just no, I don't think so. Is helping um, Omega basically. Yeah. So you know, it's a classic like Omega getting them into some situation. Not that they have any calms with um, with that. Um, and we get a cool interaction of him ju- of Gunji jumping onto a droid on his on his neck, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they, it's a it's a pretty classic like escape scene. Um, what did you what did you think of the first part of this on Vanguard Access? I thought Vanguard Access was tight. I I like that they sort of had like Grievous Vader sign, sounding voices. It just in my in my head canon was made me think like oh oh yeah, there's like probably connective tissue in this technology or whatever. I don't know, small detail, but. I enjoyed it. And then, I mean, look, every week I'm saying this, but the establishing shots in this show are so freaking good. I just want a giant coffee table book of them. The first establishing shot of this station they go on, incredible. But then there's also this other shot because it's that station is, I guess, sort of like that stupid dining room table place that Marsha Rowe has where it's just open to the sky. And I guess there's like a shield to keep the atmosphere in, but they're at a similar spot and they have this like horizontal shot uh well i guess they're all horizontal it's widescreen but it's a shot of omega like sitting on the stoop of the ship mm-hmm. from uh from the side and then it just looks out into space and it's, I don't know, it's beautifully done animation it looks so freaking cool it would be a great like some someone at star wars celebration in that art gallery section needs to do like a painting or a print of that is it, it was so legit but the whole like like you said omega ending up getting involved and then following her into this just speaks to like i think thematically what maybe it has it doesn't happen every episode but we do find a few times so far that like the bad batch's conscience outweighs their immediate needs and you have like hunter very clearly struggling with like this is not the upbringing that i want Omega to have, and this is not the environment she should be in. But then they also keep getting put in these positions where it's like, well, yeah, you can get the resources to get out of here and to maybe provide a different upbringing for, but you also would have to like not help these people. Like you have to let this Wookiee get tortured. And time and time again, their conscience, you know, wins out and they do help, but because they help, you know, they end up not winning any money from their stupid crash racing when they have to bail out. Uh, Rita Perlman and they end up not getting paid for this stuff because they have to save the Wookiee and stuff and so like time and time again they sort of take fiscal losses for you know kind of a moral gain and I'm hoping I guess I'm like forecasting that hopefully over the course of the season we'll see that pay off and maybe Hunter get some sort of I don't know sign that that is like that he's doing it right the way that they are doing it, like, yeah, there's probably a comfortable, you know, safer upbringing for Omega, but that, you know, what they're showing her in their actions and in helping people out goes beyond that and is more important than that. I don't know. I've been enjoying that, uh, like, subplot or whatever quite a bit. And I thought the, the opening act of this episode was very much, oh, yeah, here we go again. Like, there's the easy option. Or there's, you know, the right option. And they always pick the right option. 
Well, and we're we're getting this continuing. Um, we're getting co- multiple storylines continuing throughout the season, and it's very subtle at certain points. Not to skip ahead, but like you know, Echo when we get to the helping the Wookiees part is, you know, he has been very clear. There's more that they can be doing. Mm-hmm. And it is clear that he wants to be part of the fight. And that's kind of his voice in the issue. And we're seeing that of when is there relenting in which directions? Um, but let's get into, so we, you know, have this interaction with Gunji. They're like, you know, they they're all like clones wiped out all of these all of his all the Jedi. He's been through a really rough time. I'm really curious. I mean, we're not going to. I would I would be surprised if we hear how he ended up surviving Order sixty six. I I don't think we're going to. Are you but... saying they're, they're every? I don't know what that what's that principle where uh, technology gets like twice as good and half as small or whatever at, at certain intervals that applies to the order 66 supercut. They are adding more and to that more frequently you will get right now. It is one addition to order 66 every year and a half that mm-hmm. will increase exponentially next year. It will be two additions to order 66 every 0.75 years. It will just keep going, and eventually they will get to Gunji. I, as you were saying that, I was like, here's how they're going to get to Order 66 with the Acolyte. We're going to see a young Jocasta new, makes no sense, <laughs> and she's going to have a force vision of Ugh. an old woman getting, like, taken out. Um, I mean, that's that's what it's going to be. Well, but... dear boy, Jocasta new survives Order 66. Um, in the, in the, or yes, really? Okay. And then what Vader takes her out? Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, But if you haven't read Charles Soule's Darth Vader comic, that's, that happens in, I think the second arc. Uh, very cool. Very cool stuff. Yeah, you would think the librarian would have like a, a way to get out, but you'd also think she'd be like, oh, my books. Well, they also introduced that she was like the mortal enemy of the Grand Inquisitor when the Grand Inquisitor was a Jedi because she wouldn't re- let him read all the books. And he wanted to read all the books. <laughs> oh, man. I. It's a good book, though. It's a good comic. Charles Soule's Darth Vader is very I mean, good. Jason Isaac is one of my favorite actors. Uh, the Grand Inquisitor was a character I like just for that sole reason even though you don't really get much out of him. Well, so we we, we get the Bad Batch. They're um, going to Kashyyyk. They've been to Kashyyyk before. Kashyyyk, uh, the Wookiee homeworld, is, was one of the battlefields in the Clone Wars. It's the planet that Yoda was on and Lumina Arundula um, and a, maybe one other person. Oh, um, who else was on there? There's somebody else that that was in there in Order 66. But we're going there. They have a village that they can take them to. So there's a plan. Um, Here's the thing that was interesting to me. I actually haven't looked at this. But we see, like, what, two different species on Kashyyyk in this episode. There's, like, the, like, cat monster that they ride. Those things were a lot. 
there's the spider. Um, are those the spiders that you just kill a ton of in Fallen Order? You know, that is a great question. I don't think they are because I don't remember them looking like weird praying mantis crabs because those weren't like a one-for-one spider. They had Mm -hmm. like other stuff going on. They almost, there's like a plant-like element to them as well. Yeah, because the cat, the cat thing definitely was not there whatsoever. Yeah, um, I did not like it. Uh, I thought, it was, I mean, you know, it's a big planet. They have different species. They actually, you know, talked about when they find the village um, that, you know, he's a different clan than um, the Wookiees that they find. And you can see in his coloring, too. You know, they're a darker Wookiee. Um, he's kind of a lighter Wookiee. Sure, sure, Wookiees this, Wookiees that. My whole thing is, I have big ears. I don't need to be reminded of that when I'm looking at Cat Monster in Star Wars. Yeah, I like the Cat Monster. That was pretty sick. So, we... Um, well, how would you feel if it was Cat Monster and it had glasses? Sometimes you just go too far. Yeah, that's what I thought. Sometimes you wouldn't you... like it. You wouldn't sometimes like it. So you... try sometimes... and empathize. Sometimes you go too far. Well... We we get into kind of like an avatar cutscene. Yes. yes. Which I definitely wanted to touch on. Um and then we see that the Trandoshans and the clones are uh working together to basically just get the resources. What which is... is so messed up of Vampire. Like mm-hmm. Because it's it's established, it's long been established in the in legends with Bosk and stuff, but it's also established in Clone Wars and stuff that like the Trandoshans are prize hunters who hunt Wookiees for sport, and so like the Empire hiring Trandoshans to deal with Wookiees is just like they don't even care anymore. There's no there's no facade of civility or like this is just an evil thing to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's well, all off the books, I guess. Maybe no one in no one in Twitter knows about it yet. But well, spe- it's pretty messed up. Speaking of technology, have we ever been to Trandoshans, the Trandoshans planet? I don't know because I, I think the one I don't think the planet we go to when they are hunting in Clone Wars is their planet. I think it's like a game preserve planet. Mm-hmm. Well, we get really. We get a really cool scene, um, which I was just amazed at the detail in the like jungle fight scenes, especially with the fire. I was like, this, this, this is just the pinnacle of Star Wars animation that they're able to show all these things in such detail as they're as they're going through, um, showing these different fights that are occurring. The, oh, like, they're the, it. like the fire stuff specifically. Mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely insane i also like that this is an update on um a forest fire um psa of <laughs> hey <laughs> i like won- that they keep talking about shovels but then they don't show you what they do with them the funny thing and i'm not lying about this on i have the like star wars wikipedia page up the ad is for Smokey the bear and forest wow. fires so you know, um, at least the the algorithm also understands what this episode's all about. Sure. 
Now, you touched on it being there being some avatar to this episode, which I think is pretty apt. I mean, you have essentially, and it's, I mean, avatar being the, the most recent checkpoint for it, but you know, the whole Pocahontas with wolves, like there's a, that this story is like a version of that story, but I thought it was because I hate that story. I hate that archetype, archetypical narrative. It sucks. It's colonial nonsense. I hate it. But this, the, this episode, I think, consciously was aware of that and engaged with that sort of like narrative architecture in a much more tasteful way. Because it's ordinarily, like essentially, you have like the ex colonizers here in the Bad Batch showing up and then joining up with the indigenous population that they once helped to you know subjugate i granted in this you know the specifics of this the republic was on the side or but you know it could have been a lot worse than it was but i liked the version of this where they were you know they're sort of reformed calling i guess or trying to be and it wasn't like the bad batch doesn't show up and then just be like oh i can be a wookie better than a wookie can be a wookie and therefore i am the savior of these wookies you know, it's very much about the Wookiees and the Bad Batch allying together. And uh, I, I thought it was a much more palatable version of a of a narrative that has kind of been beat to death. Well, also, at multiple times during these two seasons, they've shown that they're immersed in these worlds, right? Like, we see Wrecker um, drinking the Wookiee juice. Yeah. And Echo being like, uh... And Wrecker being like, you have no idea what you're missing and kind of consuming that. So it's 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 a they realize that at various points that they're outsiders. And, you know, that's a big part of the whole show. But they exist in a world where they know that they can make a difference and they're willing to make a difference because they know the consequences of those actions. There's not really I mean, they don't even hesitate. Um, for a second, when the second wave of clone troopers and Trandoshans end up coming to um, that specific village. Yeah. Well, there's there's a final scene, um, you know, just a, a glorified fight scene. Spiders eat the Trandoshan with no nose. Um, who, you know, just a fun villain that uh, definitely deserves to be eaten by spider people. Sure. And... Yeah. We can get another fire, another great, you know, the forest fire. Then we get into these conversations. You know, what what are kids expected to be a part of? And I thought it was interesting that Hunter was talking about, like, these kids don't deserve to be in this situation. Because not that Hunter ever met Ahsoka, but, like, Echo probably met Ahsoka. Yeah. Like, these these kids like Gunji are probably a year or two younger than where Ahsoka was when she first started, but not by much. And they were kind of thrust into this with, um, you know, nobody really batting an eye of, you know, why you're sending all these young Padawans out to be generals and go out to war. So it is, it is interesting that he's saying that, but also, well, how much of that is hindsight, though, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, yeah, when I was in the Clone Wars, I didn't bat an eye at all these young people. 
being recruited in this war. And now that I've seen what's happened and I'm watching it happen with someone that I, you know, know on a first name basis. Now I'm like, Oh, what, what was up with that? That was no good. Yeah. Well, I feel like it, when he's seen this too, like he, says like, there's no way there's no or safer. And how much of this is speaking about what is Mega's life? But saying it to a different person, like, does he th- feel like that's the same fate and that it's the same danger he's always going to be in? Yeah, yeah, it could be. It could be. And then, yeah, we got we got that quote there of him saying, like, kids don't get to be kids in the war, basically, and which was, you know, a, a, a present point given the, the context of where this falls in Star Wars, but is also, like... Watching that episode and hearing him have that discourse, it was like, it's not, it's not just that kids don't get to be kids in a war. Nobody gets to be themselves in a war. Like Hunter, the, no one, no, the only, like the only people in that episode that get to be themselves under the cloud of war is that Trandoshan psycho with the flamethrower. Like cruel people get to be cruel. That's pretty much it. Like, no no one gets, that's, you know, what war does is no one gets to be themselves. Youth, you know, the, the elderly, no one in that episode got to live their best life. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, and a worthwhile realization for him to have. Strive, oh, sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're behind. Well, I was just saying the fact that Gunji doesn't even know his. Oh. <laughs> you, Go ahead. Yeah, our recordings aren't synced up anymore. I think you're hearing me late. Um. <laughs> well. <laughs> there's like a there's like a twenty second delay between when I talk and when you hear me. <laughs> Interesting, because I just okay seventeen seconds I counted. Okay, why don't we? (laughs) Great, my final thoughts is a good episode. It's called Tribe. It had a tribe in it. All the things I talked about previously. Also, I didn't get to rewatch it, uh, so I don't have as much a profound discourse on the whole. Avatar story of it as I would have liked to because I forgot what I wanted to say, but you know, good app. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Well, I'll I'll say with four, I kept thinking a lot, and yeah, talking about it a time. Well, I'll just say this upcoming week. Oh, forgot about that. The clone conspiracy, and then title. God, hold up! It's titled um, "Consequences" or something. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was a bad podcast. Bye.